from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Thousand word article. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that's going to be like? <laughs> no. Wow. <laughs> I got three. And the last one is yourself. How you like that? Yeah. Go right ahead. Oh, folks, it's a, it's a Saturday. Things are a little bit looser around here. Welcome to Locked On Chiefs. We have a ton, and I mean a literal ton, to talk about. Uh, we have Matt Derrick. We have Chris Clark. Uh, hopefully, we get Reagan Cresswell and Seth Kaiser to join us. We'll see. If not, we want to give you a rundown because there have been um, – not not to toot a horn or nothing. There's been a couple of things that I saw coming, but there's been at least one really strange exception. Uh, we're going to get to it all, but uh, Chris, where are we starting? Well, first off, I want to start and give a big shout out to Reagan Cresswell. Uh, for anybody that follows the show, we are doing a face football uh project or whatever you want to call it this year. Uh, we have five different leagues going. It was Reagan's idea. And uh, if you're not following him on answer. Twitter, uh, it's That's the Reagan. 84 the Reagan 84 you need to give him a follow on Twitter he's doing a fantastic job he'll be breaking down uh weekly the Chiefs upcoming opponents so do want to give a shout out to him he's done a fantastic job with his drafts uh got it all squared away and and we should be drafting our league shortly the big story of the day and yes there's a whole bunch to talk about for Kansas City to me the biggest story of the day is uh, another team in the division practically imploding in, in, before our eyes in one day. Poof. Who got to pull that trigger is all I want to know. Uh, that's John Gruden. Khalil Mack got traded for a – and here's what I really don't get about this trade. They traded a, away Khalil Mack. They got two first-round picks for him. But in order to get two first-round picks, they had to give up a second-round pick in 2020. Oh, I hadn't seen that detail. Yeah. Well, okay. I I just I don't understand. Cleo Mack is a fantastic player, and man, that's a lot. Uh, I can't blame Chicago for giving up what they gave up to get him. No, I have my theory, Matt. What, what what's your take on this? Well, it was certainly the the biggest thing that made the Chiefs a better team on Saturday. <laughs> anything that happened. Uh, hey, Brett, I think Mitch Schwartz agrees with you, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Brett Veach was pretty pumped up about it, too. Uh, he was pretty excited about that deal. Uh, called up Matt Nagy and told him that the, the Chiefs and the Bears both got better. So, yeah. I, and I haven't heard a deal. I'm assuming that the contract is for about $25 more than what Aaron Donald got. So Right. Okay, real quick. Here's, here's the logistics <laughs> of this trade. Bears get Khalil Mack, a 2020 second rounder and a conditional 2020 fifth-round pick. The Raiders get the 2019 first-round pick, 2020 first-round pick, 2020 third-round pick, and a 2019 sixth-round pick. Matt got a six-year, $141 million extension, including $90 million guaranteed. All of this happened today. And I can only assume that, you know, with that hall of draft picks that, that John Gruden has landed, that he's going to probably spend – Oh, maybe may, he may package those two first round picks to go up and move up to like number two in the draft to draft a running back. So I, well, <laughs> I've got, okay. I have no doubt back, with the way man. things are going out there in Oakland that he's going to spin those picks wisely. No, well, hold on just a second, real quick. You have to think they got Colton Miller with their first pick this year, a guy oh, that no. people they, that people thought were going to be a third was going to be a third round pick. They took him at number fifteen overall. You're basically getting two type of 
Colton Miller draft picks in your two first rounders for a guy that's probably top four in the league in defense? Top four player? And I joke, the Raiders about trading up to number one or number two. They won't have to. They will be drafting number one next year anyway. So. <laughs> uh, there it is. Well, no, and okay, so that's one thing that happened today. Oakland also uh, released uh, uh, Martavis, Martavis Bryant. Bryant. Yeah, which after is, trading a third round pick this year. And if anyone did not see that, ha- I mean, we were, I know we were in the, the Chiefs draft room when the, the media room when that trade went down, and it was like, do the do the Raiders just not read? Do they not know what's going on? Do they know that this guy's going to be suspended? I mean, it's just a matter of time. There's no way that this guy is going to be playing for them this year, at least in any significant role. And then they do this. I mean, they lit that draft pick on fire on draft day when they made that move. Well, and they also traded for AJ McCarron. Yeah, that's so. You got to make that move. Clearly, I don't know. I. I, I, I will say Andy this. Andy Reid thinks that John Gruden can still coach, and maybe he's saying that to, you know just be complimentary and not torch his friend or anything. But uh, it's pretty clear that John Gruden has absolutely nothing left when it comes to putting together a team. I mean, he's 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 out of touch when it comes to scouting. And he's out of touch when it comes to roster building. Uh, there's there's nothing nothing going on there with John Gruden right now. If, if he's going to have the final say in personnel, that's a problem. This is this is Andy's dream team point too, right? I mean, well, the question I haven't and I haven't seen it. Did Derek Johnson actually make their roster in Oakland? I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen their final cuts either. No. Okay. Well, not sure. But here's the thing that I'll say: with with a guy like Gruden at the helm, all this leads up to he's got two number one picks to rebuild an offense, and I think that's probably at the heart of what he's doing that he feels he has to get his side of the ball up to speed. Everything else can fall by the wayside. I, th- I think it's just deer in the headlights, blinders on, whatever you want to call it. Well, yeah, but if you're drafting Colt Miller with your first-round pick, a guy that's not supposed to go until round three, are, are you really going to benefit on offense? I'm not, I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying that's the mindset. Okay. Uh, I, I happen to be one of those people that still believes that the Raiders don't have enough cash to have paid Khalil Mack in the first place. Uh, despite, I know there are a number of reports out there. I just don't buy it. So, sorry. I'm I'm in the conspiracy I, I, theory. I, I buy that they, they do have the money or at least can get their hands on the money because once they get that move to Vegas done, they're going to have money hand over fist. So even if even if you're gonna, they're going to argue that they don't have the, 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 the cash flow right now to do it, you can get your hands on the cash. There's absolutely no problem to do that. And I, I have no doubt that they're sitting on the money too. I mean, that would be the most Raiders thing to do would be to, to cheap out on a deal like this. So I, I – and let's face it. I mean, this is there's there's a history there with the family and everything like that. I mean, they they didn't get necessarily where they are by writing a lot of checks. And I, I know they are definitely – from their history and everything like that, you can argue that they're definitely adverse to, to writing that big check when it, it needs to happen. But uh, to say for them to argue that they don't have the money, I'm not. I'm not going to buy that. It's the NFL. The money's there, and if you don't have the money, you can get the money. Well, let me ask they just you this: to, They just, just don't want to spend the money, the, and that's fair. Whatever. But let me ask you know. this question: What kind of message does that send to the locker room? You trade away your your best player. It's a it's a bad message. I mean, and I, I, and I draw a differentiation between you know like what happened with the Chiefs and, and trading Marcus Peters in that absolutely. There's no red flags with Khalil Mack. There's there's nothing there. It's ever been a history of a you know issues in the locker room. There's never been any divisive issues. 
nothing that would give you credence to the idea that he's a disruptive influence with the rest of the team. So I, I think it's, I mean, you, I think you saw it, you know, with the players reacting on Twitter and everything like that. I mean, that was not a reaction you saw from Chiefs players on Twitter when the, when the Chiefs moved Marcus Peters. I think that the Raiders reaction has been much more demonstrative than anything you saw in Kansas City. Well, Derek Carr alone, how do you not consult if you're really going to pull a trigger and not let your quarterback know? I mean, that's. Well, I've had people tell me that it basically is Rudin saying, this is my team and I'm going to do things as I see fit. And I get that that's really, really what's going on. But if that's the message you want to send to a locker room that uh, he controls it and that he makes all the decisions, I guess so be it. Uh, I mean, he's obviously the $100 million coach. But, man, that is not a good message to send to your players because basically you're saying, hey, guess what? You may get paid, but it's probably not going to be in Oakland. Well, I'm glad that you brought up family because that allows us to move on to what's going on in Kansas City because a member of the Raiders family did make this roster. They did keep Khalil Mack. And both of you, who's surprised that there's nine offensive linemen on this 53-man roster, at least for week one? I'm I'm moderately surprised. Uh, I, I I thought there was a chance that they might just stick with eight because nine is a little heavy and everything. Um, but you know, given given what they like about these guys and everything and how they project them, it does make sense. I mean, you've you've got Witzman who can now be your swing tackle. Um, you've got Wiley who can play either of the guard positions. He can even play tackle if you need be. I mean, he he could be your Swiss Army knife and waiting a guy who could play four or five positions. Maybe not center, but certainly the other four spots. Uh, and Jordan Devy's your backup inside. You know, he can play all three interior positions. They, they've obviously liked him. He's he's been around for a few years now with this team, and and McKenzie's there to learn. So, uh, if you hey, if you don't draft Khalil McKenzie, you keep eight. Uh, mm-hmm. McKenzie's kind of a he's a redshirt this year. I mean, could he play if they get some injuries and he develops? Yeah, because even Brett Veach said today, you know, he's he's getting better and better. With each practice, but he's still a little. I think. I think it's at least until 2019 when you can consider McKenzie capable of going out there and really holding down a spot. Well, and I'm not surprised that they kept nine. I'm kind of surprised maybe by who they kept. Uh, I would have thought that maybe that they would look at maybe a couple of younger guys, maybe a Ryan Hunter uh, to keep if you're going to keep nine. Uh, but it doesn't really shock me that they kept nine because they've gone heavy at offensive line before. Um, one position, one thing that I am surprised about a little bit is that they is with as much as Reed loves his tight end use, they only kept two. And I get that Harris will come back after week three, or I'm sorry, after week one. Uh, so there's going to be another cut to bring him back, and I'm wondering if that's going to end up being Daryl Williams because I don't know where else they're going to take somebody no, from. It will not be. I don't think it should be. I'm just saying I don't know where else they would look. Maybe offensive I, I line. It, yeah, I, I think it depends. Obviously, yeah, I mean, there's there they could do it at offensive line. Um, I, they may be keeping an extra defensive lineman right now for injuries with you know, Bailey and Williams and see where they are. Um, mm-hmm. You know, really a, a big part of it. Well, I, and there are there are also there, I think I think they're going to free up a spot on Sunday or in the next couple of days with sending Dan Sorensen to to IR with the possibility to return. Because um, it certainly sounds like that, you know, from conversations we had with Brett Veach today, they're definitely targeting midseason. And there's there's no reason not to go ahead and put him on IR and, with the option to bring him back. Uh, because it doesn't sound like he's going to be available until midseason anyway. So that could be a spot that frees up 
But even if they do that, they're re-signing Ron Parker from what I've seen. And they've got, they do have Ron Parker, and uh, that still leaves you with a lot of safeties. So uh, they're, they're, maybe there's another move there. Maybe there's, I, I think they're trimmed down, obviously, as much as they can at corner. Maybe an inside linebacker. I mean, obviously, Ben Neiman's played his way onto this team. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they've got some tough – there's a tough decision to make there. Do you bring up well, a position a I want to talk about? Yeah, and we need to take a break real quick, folks. We'll be right back, and we will talk about some of those surprising moves and specifically about all those things we just touched on. Okay, so obviously we just spewed a bunch of things that are going on. Let's start at the back of the defense because I think probably the thing that very few people saw coming, you know, sorry to say, but except me, is that Dave Emerson is not on this roster a guy that they brought in first and foremost in their offseason plans to try and shore up that cornerback group. And now you have newcomer Orlando Skandrick uh, traded for Traveris Ward. I think that's how you say it, Traverius. Sorry, apologize, buddy. Um, where are you guys stand on, on what's going on at corner? I'm surprised I got rid of Springs personally, but I'll let Matt go ahead and go first otherwise. I'm a little surprised at both, actually. I, I, I thought they might extend the Amerson experience a, a little bit longer. I mean, we, we saw him in, in practice this week, you know, spending splitting time with Skandrick in that spot. So I, I kind of thought that they might extend it a little bit longer and just to see if he snaps out of the funk he's been in. Um, but clearly, I, you know, I mean, Brett Veach has, has, has said it again today, you know, that there's a history of tape on David Amerson that he can play really well, and there's some when he doesn't. And, you know, right now the Chiefs have been getting it. David Amerson doesn't play real well. So, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I, I thought there was a chance that they might just kick the can down the down the street a little bit, maybe a few more weeks, give him a chance to break out of and see what happens. Um, the the uh, Getting Traverius Ward definitely, you know, told me that Arian Springs was, was going to go to the practice squad if they can get him there. Uh, I think that's still going to be a tough move. I think I, if I were a team, I think I'd take a chance on him as maybe a fifth corner because I think he can do a lot of things. But we'll see. But you know they they've got a they've got a group in at least a mix right now that they're comfortable with. Um, they like Fuller and Nelson. Um, they like what they get from Scandrake, at least you know as far as that that nickel role goes. I, I do think it probably means that we see more of Smith and Ward. You know, f- you know, mixing in a little bit earlier and everything, um, just so that you don't have you know Scandrick out there maybe playing seventy percent of the snaps. I think that you know they they will ease him back a little bit. So maybe you do see those guys mixing in. But I, I, I was a little, like I said, I was, I was a little surprised on both those. I, 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 I thought all along there was a pretty good chance that Springs would make the squad and, and obviously don't make the deal for Ward. I think he does, and they still move on from Amerson. Um, I think Scandrick was what you know pushed Amerson off. But they've got five guys. I don't know if it's the five guys you're going to finish the season with, but they got five guys. Well, and it's possible that they'll bring somebody in after sifting through all the cuts. Uh, you know, that's always a possibility. Um, they have always been pretty active when it comes to waiver wire, so you have to wonder if that's going to be a move that they're going to make. Um, there's, an, there's another thing to look at here and everything with the way that they, they build his roster, and, and, and cornerback is, the, I think, a key position with it, is that you know, you've got to look forward to you know, 2019 and 2020 with this group because you've, you're with the possibility that Stephen Nelson's not on this team next year. You've got Skander again on a one-year deal. Um, but you've got Kendall Fuller. You've got Tremont Smith. You've got Charvarius Ward. You've got three guys who are really young um, who could be your, your three corners of the future. I mean, obviously, you're, you're, you're projecting a lot on the Smith and Ward, 
but you got three very affordable, cheap guys that can be your corners in, over the next couple of seasons. And even if they don't feel, you know, pan out and everything like that, you've got at least a base and now you can fill in with a veteran if you need to. And maybe you can go out and, and get somebody they couldn't afford this year because let's face it, you know, with the, with the cornerback market, they could not go out and put six or eight million dollars into a corner. Um, it wasn't, just wasn't out there. That's why you signed David Amerson because he was affordable. Um, you, you know, you spent your money elsewhere. You spent your money on Sammy Watkins and Anthony Hitchens, but you certainly needed to spend your money on Hitchens. You might argue that you could have saved some money with Fuller and gone a different route or, or Watkins and gone a different route. But they're looking at the idea that we've got three young corners that we really like that we think can be at least a, a core for this group for the next three seasons. Well, you mentioned Ward. And I do like that they made that move. Um, I'm glad they have another young corner that they seem to like. I hope that they can get Tremont or not Tremont Smith, uh, Arian Springs on the practice squad uh, because that is the whole reason I wanted him to stay, stick around on the roster is because I'm looking ahead at 2019 and 2020. Yes, you want to try to compete this year, but if you guys if you can get those guys playing time and get them up to speed, you're in a much better position next year because you're right. You're not going to have Steven Nelson. You wouldn't have David Amerson, and you wouldn't have Orlando Skandrick, so it leaves you um, – it leaves you very uh, short at corner, especially experienced corners. Um, I hope they can bring Steven Nelson back. I like what he brings to the cornerback squad, but it's going to cost some money. Uh, you know, the other thing that we haven't talked about, Chiefs also made another trade for, I believe, Josh Wilson from Miami. Is that correct? Uh, Jordan Lucas. Jordan Lucas, sorry. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why I said Josh Wilson. Yeah, and, and interesting player. You know, Veach talked about him. Uh, they like the fact he he played corner in college, so that they like the fact that he can he can cover and he's got some man skills and and can plan to play that. He, he's very inexperienced though at this level. I mean, uh, I think he's played twenty five defensive snaps over the last couple of seasons. He's mostly been special teams. So uh, there's a lot there's a there's a lot of there's a, there's a big experience gap there. So I mean, if he's forced to play this year, I mean, there that could be an issue. Just that he's he doesn't have that experience yet, but he also looked pretty good. It sounds like in, in the preseason for for Miami, I mean, a pretty good game against uh, the Falcons on Thursday night. So there certainly looks like there's potential there. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Uh, but Kansas City is still staying very active in the trade market, trying to bring in people. One position that we haven't really talked about that to me was another surprise cut on the defense: Yukime Aligwe. Yeah, I, I I thought I thought there was a chance they they would stick with a league way. Um, I certainly thought there was a chance that either Smith or a league way could be a, a, a victim of numbers. Um, I, I was obviously going to be very tough to keep six inside linebackers, um, even if you know you think you can get contributions from all of them on special teams. Uh, but Ben Neiman just played his way onto this team. I mean, it, you just saw it. I mean, practice, preseason game, you name it. Um, he was always making plays. He was always there. I mean, is he going to make mistakes? Yeah, I mean, he will. He's a young guy, so he's still got some things to learn. Um, but a strong foundation there, really coachable. Uh, they really like what they got. I mean, he's and he's a tough player. So, I mean, they, they definitely think there's something there. And he he forced them to keep him. And, and Veach even mentioned to us that there were a couple of teams that, that reached out to the Chiefs trying to make a deal to, 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 to lure Neiman away and they make a trade. And, you know, the Chiefs weren't interested. And that's one reason why he's on this team is that they knew he would not clear through waivers. So make it. He, 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 he certainly won his way onto this squad. 
Well, I, I have... I have a big concern because I think they hurt themselves in this particular move. Explain to me, because you know how they feel better than I do. If I'm looking at Kimi Ligway versus Terrence Smith, it's no contest that you keep Ligway. I don't know what they're thinking, especially when you hear Dave Tobe touting that Ben Neiman can play special teams. So what was Terrence Smith's strength doesn't seem to be that anymore. I, I think they made a mistake here. Well, I think you. I think you obviously could make that argument. I mean, it's. I. I. I, I try to. I'm trying to look at this from different from different perspectives. And I, the only thing I can. I can say is that I, I. I think this probably just came down strictly to special teams, and that they did have Smith graded higher than a league way. Um, now a league way. I think the challenge with him has been all along has been that. Uh, he's kind of a tweener. I mean, I thought he was, I thought he looked a little bit bigger this year and a little bit stronger. Um, you know, as being able to somebody who maybe could play the, maybe be a Reggie Racklin backup, but you know, really Ben Neiman's the only one on that's on this team right now that they have, who's really fits that kind of Mike concept and everything like that. So uh, Smith doesn't either necessarily, but I, I think that they think that with his speed, maybe his coverability, maybe being a little bit stronger. And I think that special teams grades a little bit higher. That's got to be the issue. But I, th- I think it's got had to have been a pretty close decision. Well, see, that's the thing for me is I get special teams is probably this, the deciding factor. But to me, Smith isn't a viable option on defense. And you've had two guys that have been injured most of the preseason in Hitchens and Ragland, and you got to hope that they can both stay healthy for the entire season. But I guess the one thing that I haven't taken into account is they've been playing Dorian O'Daniel inside linebacker. Uh, so maybe that gives them a little bit of flexibility if one of those guys goes down. But I wouldn't think you'd want him in that type of role on a regular basis. Well, I think it also tells you that Ben Neiman leapfrogged Kimi Ligue in terms of being in the mold of being able to replace one of the starters should they go down to injury in terms of being able to take on the run because – I think Neiman is probably a step ahead of both Smith and Leakway in that particular term. So maybe that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think from from a, especially you're talking about you know filling in for a Reggie Ragland if he were to go down, I, I think Neiman's your guy, and and he's it was definitely I think as far as being able to fill in that spot, he he was ahead of of a Leakway. So uh, the real challenge was that just to have a lot of will linebackers, they just have a lot of guys who can run around and cover. And you know, hey, most teams are like that. It's really hard to find these Reggie Raglan types that can, you know, play a 3-4 like this. So, I mean, it's tough. But And it looks like Ben Neiman might be one of those guys too. Well, you got to hope that Neiman's able to continue to look impressive because uh, otherwise they're really hurting at inside linebacker. And we've already talked about corners and safeties. Uh, kind of surprised Justin Hamilton made it, although it sounded like Brett Veach talked about him being on the roster uh, during the game on Thursday night. Let's – Take another quick break, and let's flip over to the other side of the ball, though. All right. Now, on offense, I, I want to take a second because I want to talk about my guys. And, yes, I'm claiming them both. So, just for future reference. Uh, Daryl makes this roster. And, of course, Anthony Sherman wasn't going anywhere. So I, I know five who your second guy is. Running backs. I know who your second guy is. I know you know. And, and I'm almost like – I'm pleasantly surprised, but I am a little bit surprised. Um First of all, I know Chris knows it. Matt, your take on Jason Morrow losing out to Alex Ellis. 
a little bit surprised because, I mean, just watching the practices and the preseason games, it was really hard to get a, a good grasp of this position. Um, other than the fact that, you know, pretty early on, it looked like Tim Wright was falling behind and it was, was the kind of last name in the group. Uh, but I've liked Alex Ellis since OTAs. I mean, you know, I, he's really been impressive to me. Um, kind of surprised, you know, that he was able to come on because he's just, doesn't he was a walk on at Tennessee? He's he's bounced around a little bit, um, but he's a hard worker. I mean, he's the last guy on the practice field every single time. So I mean, he's he certainly has has worked hard to get his way onto this team. But the way that the, the Chiefs were using those tight ends, it was really hard to figure out. You know, whether it was Ellis or Amaro who was ahead, and I I I thought Ellis looked better than Amaro did. Um, it looked like Amaro was getting more of the number two, number three reps, um, you know, with, with Harris not being out there, if you're excluding Harris from that group. Um, so I thought it was pretty close, and I thought that Ellis was going to stick for week one, certainly. I thought they actually I thought they'd keep three tight ends without without Harris being there for week one. Instead of going with two, and Ellis is still one of them. So I I, I, I think it says a lot about what, the, what they think of him. Mm-hmm. I do agree. I think Chris, you happy? Happy is... Relative, I don't know. I'm not upset. Um, I, I think that me personally, I think that Jason Morrow looked more athletic and looked more like a. I really hate saying this because nobody is Travis Kelsey, but looked more like a Travis Kelsey esque type wide receiver type of tight end. And I think there's a lot of things that he could do. So I was hoping that they would keep him, but I get why they kept Ellis. Ellis looked good uh, in the chances he was given. So. And I, I think he fits in that category of an ascending player. I mean, uh, and, and, and let's also not discount the fact that I'm sure a small factor too is uh, Jason Morrow's a vested veteran. If he's on the on the roster week one, contracts guaranteed. So, you know, it could be a situation where if you hey you like him tomorrow, you can bring him back now, and you don't have to guarantee his contract for the year. What did you think about that? Good call. Well, and there, there's two veterans on here that I think we should, we should talk about because one was – honestly, they were both surprises to me. I think um, Frank Zombo's departure is something that I, was just, I foretold for a long time, and I just keep being wrong. I was just about to mention him. I, I can't believe we didn't mention that before. Good call, Ryan. Uh, yeah, Zombo you know? being gone was surprising to me. Uh, I know he didn't get many snaps, and, and Matt, you pointed that out, but I still thought he was going to hang around somehow. I thought he would too, all, all the way, really, until about the last four or five days, and, and then I think it kind of became, you know, pretty self-evident that they were looking to go a different direction. Uh, and part of that too, I think, plays obviously in the decisions at inside linebacker. I mean, it's uh, you, hard to keep ten linebackers. Um, keeping nine is, is even still, I think, a, a pretty good number. I mean, I think that's probably will still one more than you necessarily need, but. Um, Zombo doesn't doesn't really fit what they want to do. I mean, that's that's the tough thing. I mean, he's he's a great special teams player, definitely a leader in that group. Um, I think he's going to be missed in that room for sure on special teams. Um, but he's 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 just not quite multi-dimensional enough for what they want to do with their outside backers. But the other part of it too is that you look at what they're doing with their outside linebackers. I mean, yeah, we 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 joke and talk about them dropping them back into coverage and everything like this, but. They really want these guys to be more edge rusher types. I mean, they they want these guys to play a little bit different game, and and I don't think that was you know Frank Zombo's game. I mean, his his game's not going after the quarterback and the four guys that they've kept at outside linebacker. That's what they do. Well, so you, I, I think he's the one guy who's not like the other. 
So he he doesn't really fit into that. Now I I think they might miss him. I mean I I, I think hey if there's a fourth and fourth and one, you know who's going to be your outside backer? I mean I, if D Ford's out there, I'm running D Ford, and I, oh, I think teams are going to do. <laughs> absolutely. Now I will. You had to say it out loud for everyone to hear. <laughs> That's what teams have been doing the last, the last three or four years. You, well, got, you got third and one, fourth and one. There's no reason not D4. to. Right? What I exactly. Will say, what I will say about keeping nine linebackers is. You still figure um, Dorian O'Daniel in there, even though he's not going to mostly be playing in an inside linebacker role. But you have to keep him because, I mean, I think he's going to be a good player for the Chiefs over the next couple of years just from what we saw in game four. Now, the other, like another couple of offensive moves that uh, didn't surprise me, um, I called this right after I saw Pringle come up with an injury. Um, I think less than a minute later I tweeted out, mystery IR. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was being a little sarcastic about mystery because everybody knew what it was going to be. But guess who got IR today? Yeah, that was that was kind of the, in the in the press box uh, during the game Thursday. It was there was immediate response to that was oh IR. Um, yeah, it's really tough break. Um, yeah, and, I, I did. And have, I'm not happy about I'm not happy about him getting. No, of course, oh, of course not. And and especially because now, uh, hey, and this could just be you know trying to you know help with egos and everything like this. But uh, I did have somebody tell me that he was going to be on the 53. That bar- Barnett injury, he had made it, and and the Chiefs had even alluded to that a little bit. You know, Andy Reid even kind of hinted. And said six, you know, seven, that there was a possibility mm-hmm. they could keep seven receivers. And that was a distinct possibility. And and after with his performance Thursday, it, it certainly looked like there was a reason that the Chiefs could keep him. So I, yeah, really tough break. I I think there is a chance that he might have cracked that spot. And now how you who you let go to, to squeeze him on there, I think it's a tough call. Um, but he came on. I mean, he, I, I did not think that he was going to make the 53 at the very beginning of camp, but he made an impressive case all the way through and, and just kept getting better. So uh, you got to hope that, you know, just being around for a year, being able to watch Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins go about their jobs is going to make him a better player and, you know, and that he's going to be able to come back from this. I mean, the kid's been through a lot before as far as different different obstacles to overcome. So you, I think you certainly got to root for the kid and hope that he can do that again. Matt, I have to ask a question. Can they keep him on the roster after he's healthy? I mean, I understand – He's on IR, but does that really yeah. mean that they can still keep him? Yes, because it's it's tricky. But um, when you put a player on IR during the training camp or before you put them on the fifty three, you can put them on IR. They're with your team and they're just out for the season. Now you can't let them go from IR until they're healthy um, without reaching an injury settlement. But but I see no indication that they want to get rid of him. I think that I think they're fine keeping him around. No, no, and I don't think that they want to get rid of him. I just I thought that you couldn't have a, a player on IR that was actually healthy because I, I know Whoops. that we've talked about this in years past, and it just was surprising to me that I mean it wasn't surprising, but it, in the same sense, it is kind of surprising that you know he's not going to be out the entire season with a hamstring injury. Yeah, no, it, it's there's it's it is a distinction between the the regular season and the preseason. If you if you put a player on on IR in the preseason, they are actually out for the year. They okay. cannot come back. Can't even be designated to return. Um, that's why. That's like for instance, there's been no move yet with Dan Sorensen, um, which I think is a possibility. You put Dan Sorensen on IR today, he's out for the season, so he has to make the fifty three before you can put him on the regular season IR. No, and I do understand that. I guess where I was really going with that is I just was – I didn't think you could have a player that would be able to come back at any point 
like yeah, you, you, uh, yeah, you can. I mean, yeah, broken thumb, anything like that. I mean, if if, if it's an injury that will prevent you from playing. Um, you can put them on IR. Now, what the rule is supposed to stop you from doing is that if a guy's got a sprained pinky and you say, oh, yeah, well, he's out for the season with a sprained pinky, the rule is supposed to stop you from being able to do that. You've got to be have an injury that's supposed to keep you from playing, but it doesn't necessarily have to be out for the entire year type of injury. It just has to be an injury that keeps you out for a period of time. Okay. Now, the other move – Well, I'm, sorry, go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say that position is one of a lot of consternation, and I think we have to give credit. Um, D'Anthony Thomas will not go away, and I think that's good. I, I think after that injury in Denver, I'm really impressed that he came all the way back and made this 53-man roster. I expect both J.U. Chesson and Garrick Dieter to make the practice squad. Uh, I don't know that either of them are going to get picked up, but maybe I'm wrong. But it, that beat those two young guys out after what is a, a pretty horrific injury Six months ago, yeah. I, I, there's eight months. Ago. There's there are two things there I kind of want to touch on real quick, and and one is is definitely those uh, DeAnthony Thomas and that injury, and also Spencer Ware and his injury, uh, because that was a that was a bad bad knee injury, and there's not a lot of guys who have come back from the in, knee injury that Spencer Ware had and been anywhere close to a productive player. Um, it was a bad injury. So if he's able to come back and be, you know, a number two back and be a strong contributor on this team, I mean, that tells you a lot about Spencer Ware, that he's able to do that. And same thing with DeAnthony Thomas coming back as quickly as he did, you know, uh, broken legs, broken leg. I mean, and that was a bad one. So him being able to come back, I, I, I think those two things deserve some props. I mean, those, those, that's pretty impressive. And, and I think the, the training staff, uh, the Chiefs deserve credit too for being able to get those guys back. Um, but you talked about Jehu Chesson and I, I think I haven't seen a lot of people talking about this. Chesson, Alegwe, Leon McQuay, that's half your 2017 draft class was cut today. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, half of it you're happy with. Patrick Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, Tano Passigno. You've got that, but that's pretty quick to be moving on from three guys that you know were were part of your draft class, and it I, was not Brett. It was not Brett Veach's draft class. He was certainly was here for it, that. so he he wears a little bit of it. But I I I thought it's been pretty notable that it look it looked like you know that there were members of that draft class who have been on the outside for a while now, and you know it's and today I mean three of them are gone. I would I would make an argument, Ryan, that I don't think Chesson is going to end up on the practice squad. I could be wrong, but. I don't. I, I hope. I hope you're wrong. Um, I, I. I still had him pegged to make this roster, and I. And I will say this about Matt's comment. I think that's a good sign. Um, that if if you are unsure and you feel you've upgraded the roster beyond a guy, a, a draft class from two years ago, uh, especially knowing that making it not your draft class gives you a little bit more willingness to not extend somebody's chances if they're not working out or that if you've clearly been able to upgrade the roster beyond them. So I'm going to take that as a positive that both those positions have are now better off than they were a year ago. I think you can certainly make that argument. And then there's also consideration that, you know, the three guys who basically knocked them from the roster, Marcus Kemp, undrafted wide receiver. Uh, ben Neiman, undrafted linebacker. Jordan Lucas, you know, you pick up in a trade from Miami. Um, you know, I mean, there were misses. I mean, if those, if you're saying that those three guys are, are better than the ones you let go, then you missed on draft day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you're able to get them, and I'll, I would make the argument, if you're able to find them afterwards, is it really a huge miss on the on your part? 
Absolutely. I mean, no, I, I, I mean, if, I think you're able to find guys that get better and you, and you get somebody like Marcus Kemp just who continues to, to get better and better, then no, I mean, I, I, I think it works out. But at the, in the long run, if you do have misses on, on the draft, that's oh, going to cost you eventually. That's gonna, no, I, I agree with that. But at least they weren't like the Broncos that released most of their class and really should have probably released a first rounder from 16. Yeah. And that's true as well. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's that got to catch up. You've got – and maybe if you can call it the change of direction, especially with the defensive guys, uh, Leakway and McQuay. But, you know, it's got to be – you have to hit on your fourth and fifth round guys. Those are guys that should be making up the bottom ten of this roster every year. So uh, that is definitely something we have to keep an eye on because the changeover from Veach – I'm sorry, from Dorsey to Veach – uh, has to start paying off in more consistent players that make the roster year after year. Yeah, uh, I, I, you kind of you t- touched exactly what I, my line of thinking there is, which is, hey, it's great if you've got a scouting department that can hit on some undrafted guys, but if you're consistently, you know, losing your fourth, fifth, and sixth round picks, seventh round picks to undrafted players, uh, because it's because you missed later in the draft, and it and, and there's going to be times when, hey, if it, just because those undrafted guys are better than who you drafted doesn't necessarily mean they're they're players who are going to make your team better. Yeah, that's lowering the bar rather than exactly. Well, one other notable uh, cut that I didn't agree with. You guys got anyone else you want to mention? I'm assuming you're going to go with Chase Litton. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I can I completely agree with you. I, I, I thought all along, and and the word that I had heard all along was, you know, it basically Ty goes to the, rook, the rookie. That if if Chase Litton had gone out there and and looked good, uh, ran the huddle effectively, called to play, got things done, that that he would win that job, and and he did that. I mean, I don't think there's any way you slice it. I I think that Matt McLoy and Chase Litton, as far as on field performance, was was pretty much a tie. And and I think that Brett Veach explained, you know, really the difference between the two of them today. And it's that they wanted to beef up that quarterback room. Uh, they're certainly hoping that Chase Litton falls to him, that they can get him back on the practice squad tomorrow and on Sunday and and everything's just fine. They've got four quarterbacks that they like. But it really came down to even though those two guys were, were equal on the field, they really like, like what McGloin brings to the quarterback room with helping out Patrick Mahomes um, having some insight from inside the division, from playing with the Raiders, being familiar with the opposition, those those factors were considerable for them. I mean, that was and that's essentially was the deciding factor was that they've got a quarterback that's got some experience that can add a little bit more voice to that room and help out their young starting quarterback. And and if, hey, if it works out, they get Chase Litton back. That, that then their move worked even better. Even better. Yeah, exactly. But that was and, that, and was, that was it. I mean, that was truly the deciding factor. Let me ask you this though, Matt, real quick. Ryan has kind of said this, and I'm not saying I, I necessarily agree with it, but is it possible that you think McGloin gets traded over the next couple of days? It's possible. Um, I, I don't see a huge market out there for McGloin. I mean, it's I, I, I can't rule it out. I mean, and, and maybe that's that could be a line of thinking. I, I would think that there would be probably a better market for Litton as just a prospect, just based on what you've seen so far, because he, he, he did look pretty good. I mean, I'm not saying he set the world on fire. It looked like, you know, challenging Patrick Mahomes or anything, but I, I thought he looked promising enough. Um, but I, hard to say. I mean, I have, like I said, I haven't heard a market for him and everything, but it, it's possible. I mean, they, people get hurt and anything like that. It's, it's possible somebody could call, could call, could come calling for McGloin. Well, I think you make a very good point. This is not just 
two quarterbacks backing up Mahomes that are looking to buy their time till they get reps. No, this is this is three guys working in a room together in Ormer to watch enough film, dissect enough defenses in order to make the one guy who plays on Sunday better. And I think that's the one edge that McGloin had. Yeah, I mean, just being able to you know, break, you know, exactly hit it, break down film, no opponent's tendencies, especially in the AFC West. Those are all things that McGloin can do that, that Litton's just not ready to, to do yet. Not saying he can't, he's not going to be able to do it eventually, but right now, um, McGloin's able to contribute more in that room to help Mahomes than Litton could because Litton's a learning too. I mean, he, obviously, he's behind Mahomes at this point, so. Um, if he can, hey, if he can stick around and he can learn along with Mahomes, that's that's great for you. I mean, that's there's nothing wrong there. But uh, they definitely felt like that McGloin was a voice that Mahomes needed in that room. All right, I know we need to get going, and we will. I want to ask Matt real quick. You want to name off five or six guys that you, or even more if you have them, that you think are back on the Chiefs practice squad. Let's see. We'll start with Litton. I think he comes back for sure if, if he clears waivers. Um, we'll, we'll see at receiver. I, I would really like to see them get, bring back Blake Mack. I think he's an interesting player. Um, Cheston and Dieter, certainly prospects. I, I think that's a possibility. Um, Ryan Hunter, I think, will be back as an offensive lineman if he clears waivers. Uh, D Liner will be back if he clears. Rob McCray, strong possibility there that he's back. Um, I'm trying to think of your uh, Arian Springs. I think he's back if he clears waivers. Wade. Uh, uh, I I would like to see Wade. I thought he had you know pretty good you know preseason in camp for the most part. You know obviously there's some mistakes there at times and everything, but he he once again he fits that mold that 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 Brad Veach likes. You know long lengthy corners who who can be productive. Uh, so I I'd bring him back. Well, on the other side of Wade is also. You have to worry about next year, and we've kind of already talked about this, worry about next year uh, with having guys uh, just around considering how many corners the Chiefs will not necessarily have next year uh, with at least two of them gone or could be gone anyway. So, well, that is all I've got. Ryan, do you have anything else? I just want to say one guy that I, I hope they can manage to get back, and I think they probably will, is Blake Mack. Um, it's not Blake Ellis. It's not uh, Alex Mack. any of the names that I've messed up through training camp, but I, I'd like to see him get a chance to continue. Um, his athletic upside has me very intrigued. Um, that and, and my boy uh, Jordan Stearns. Let, let's hope we get back him on the practice squad because I think he's still an ascending player. Yeah, I, I I feel like he has had some good moments. I I thought he looked probably a little bit better last year as a rookie before he got hurt. Um, but still, uh, no, I think he's an ascending player. There's, there's definitely something to like there. So I wouldn't be surprised that they tried to keep him around. Well, and they definitely need safety depth. Um, a lot of questions there. Hopefully Armani Watts is going to be able to be uh, something better than uh, what we saw the first three games. Obviously he played really well in the fourth, uh, but safety is definitely a position of concern. That is all we have for you all. Uh, enjoy your Labor Day weekend, and uh, we will be back. Uh, what are we doing? Are we doing Monday, Ryan, or are we coming back Tuesday? We'll have a show for uh, Monday evening, Tuesday. Okay. There you go. And for anybody out there, thank you so much. We are now 10 reviews short on iTunes of hitting 300. So thank you very much. We really appreciate those. And again, I just want to throw this out. One last thing. If you're not following the Raygun 84 on Twitter, you need to go follow him. Uh, you're going to get a lot of great content this year from him. 
And if, and if any of you folks are in the, in the fantasy league, or even if you missed out on the fantasy league, didn't qualify and everything, hey, give give Reagan just a you know a little bit of a break here. He's working really hard at it, put a lot of energy, and I can say I can say some of you just need to take a big tall glass of calm the heck down juice. <laughs> and I'm not looking. I like that one. And I'm looking at somebody in particular, but I won't mention her name. Well, I have no idea because I'm barely paying attention, folks. If you kick my butt in fantasy, well done, because I'm just stretched to the limit. We will have more fantasy for you next year. We'll try to touch on fantasy a little bit more as we go through the season because, you know, you guys seem to really enjoy it. But we appreciate your time. We appreciate you trying to get in the league. We'll figure out something bigger for next year. But four leagues, 50 players, we really appreciate that interaction, and we're looking forward to it, all of us. And uh, we will talk to you later. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Chiefs. Check out my work at RGR Football on YouTube, Chris's work on LockedOnChiefs.com, and all of Seth's film analysis at TheAthletic.com. Thanks for listening.